Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Hey guys, welcome back. It's another Wednesday, another week, another show. Welcome. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. My guest this week is Matthew Arder. He is back for part two of our lengthy deep dive examination, interrogation, uh, excavation, I suppose, of season six, episode one. If you recall, uh, this is not a two-part Facts of Life episode. It's just a standard 25-minute episode, but we had so much to cover with checking in with the pop culture of the year that we like to do at the beginning of each season. Well, it was just too much to contain in one episode, so this is the conclusion, or some might say the exciting conclusion, to this two-part episode. Just a little update so far to remind you where we are. Uh, Matthew has been giving me crap because whenever we talk about some type of a factoid or the age of a person or if someone is alive, I always yell out to my Amazon Echo and ask her to tell me what the information is. And Matthew was giving me crap that I wasn't believing him when he said something. I had to verify it through Echo. And, and he was uh, busting my chops <laughs> over that. So uh, that does come up again. So if you, uh, it's been a week, I know. I don't remember anything myself. So if you've forgotten that already from last week, you're, you're in good company here. That's really it. Let's get to it and finish this out. This is Season 6, Episode 1, The Summer of 84, Part 2. The original air date was September 26th of 1984, and we are ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Matthew Arder. our commercial break, I thought I would do my deep dive. We're beginning the David deep dive now because we're going to be here for 40 hours. And we're going to talk about the television in 1984. And you know, I love dealing with the Nielsen's and all that shit and everything. So the season we just completed, season five, Mm -hmm. ran from 83 to 84. Uh, Facts of Life was in the top 30. It was number 25. That is not quite its best. Its its personal best was season three, where they were number 24. Uh, but this past season, season five, was number 25. And uh, that is the second and final time that the show will break the top 30. It never broke the top 10. Never. Nope. Nope. Never broke the top 20. A show nine goddamn years, yeah. and it never once broke. Nope, it just had good time mm-hmm. slots, and they just hung on to it, and people watched it. But, yeah. So, uh, this is the third year now that they have completed uh, being the 9 o'clock show after Real People. And here's an interesting thing I discovered. All I babble about is, oh, well, Real People was popular. Real People was a top whatever show. Real People was the reason that Facts of Life acquired an audience. It was, but Real People... This previous season didn't even break the top 30. 
Guess what won that time slot, Matthew, before people apparently changed the channel at nine o'clock to start watching the facts of life? Oh, God. I'm confused by the question. Yeah. But um... now, let me rephrase that again. Guess okay. what show on Arrival Network was the reason why real people <laughs> didn't win its time slot? On a Wednesday night? Wednesday night? I'll give you a hint. It's on ABC. Okay. That doesn't help. <laughs> and uh, ABC is the network that at one time ran the $6 million man. Bionic Woman. No. But the $6 million Char man uh, starred... Lee Majors. And Lee Majors would then go on to do another series called... The Fall Guy. Ding, 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 ding. But I thought that was on NBC. Nope, Fall Guy is ABC. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Real people got beat out by Fall Guy? Yes, Fall Guy made it into the top Well, it 30. had something for everybody, didn't it? For the old ladies, it had Lee Majors, who thought he was sexy. Mm -hmm. For the straight guys, it had the wonderful um, Heather Locklear. Yes, uh-huh. And then for us young gays, it had, um, oh, what's his name? Charlene's husband. Do you, do you, do you want me to, to look something up, Matthew? <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing you requesting? Be, because I don't know the answer. Um, Douglas Barr? Was that Charlotte? What, what was his name on the show? Howie Munson. Thank you, Howie. Now cut all of that out. No, I'm had, not going to cut it out. It had Helen, Heather Locklear, and it had for us young gays, it had um, Howie, who went on to be Charlene's husband on, um, on Designing Women. Oh, okay. I She's quickly cute. pulled up the cast. Marky Post? Yes. Joanne Flew from Candid Camera. Uh, Nidra Voles. Yeah. But yeah, that was a little surprising thing for me, too, that the Fall Guy was that popular. Really? I guess Six Million Dollar Man was popular enough. but um, Because it was Wednesday night. My mom went to play volleyball with her friends on Wednesday night. Really? And that meant, yeah, that meant I was stuck at home with my dad. So he would watch? We would watch Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Wow. And, and we would we would pretend like we would be like he doesn't know it's past our bedtime oh nice that's but fun. he knew and he was letting us stay up to watch it i hated fall guy <laughs> it was i never watched an episode and i have no intention of changing that before i die no need unless you tell me otherwise no yeah you don't have to yeah now, one thing I like to track the Nielsen's overall. So okay. for the 83-84 season, I love seeing what the Battle of the Networks is, Matthew. Okay. So uh, of the top 30, CBS mm -hmm. has once again resumed the lead. Remember, because we had CBS and ABC. It was this back and forth tug of war. Well, CBS has 15 of them. ABC has nine of them. And NBC has six. Well, along with the crap, though, like the Lucy Arnaz show, <clears throat> there's stuff like Murder, She Wrote. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a big year. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about that. Yeah. So just the top three shows. We don't need to get into all of this. Dallas, 60 Minutes, Dynasty. It's like, Ooh. well, that's a difference than the, from the Archie Bunker <laughs> years. That's a cultural shift, isn't it? Yep. When those are the top shows, I mean, forget sixty minutes, forget that. But the well, Dallas the, the and Reagan, Dynasty, the Reagan years had set in. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the yuppie, the 
the rich, the, the corporatization, the yeah. chasing the money, the yeah, yeah. that was all well mm. established at this point. Um, but just so you know, the shows we we track NBC because NBC, the facts of life is really a good viewpoint from the sidelines to watch the evolution of this network because they were nothing when the facts of life started. We've discussed many times. At this point, the six shows that NBC has in the top 30 are at number four, The A-Team. Mm -hmm. Number 14, TV's Bloopers and Practical Jokes. Mm. Number 18, Riptide. <laughs> number 21, NBC Monday Night Movie. So God knows what that was. That might have Whatever been, it was. It might have been a rebroadcast of The Sound of Music or The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Who knows? Number 24, The Facts of Life. Mm. And right behind it, number 25, Knight Rider. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, Matthew, when you look at the, uh, the Wikipedia pages, it shows in three columns, returning mm -hmm. shows, mm -hmm. new shows, and not returning shows. Yeah. And the columns are kind of even, meaning yeah. for all intents and purposes, about half the shows make it, and some shows choose to go off. Some shows get canceled. But it's like they, they literally are replenishing half of their inventory every year. That's I, I don't know if that's good or bad. But the fact is when you have Facts of Life, which is just kind of a little red engine that just keeps going. If you do a show that does OK in the ratings, doesn't cost a lot of money. And it's got a good time slot. If you just keep your head down, do your work, don't ask for too many salary increases, don't get too crazy, that's how a show like Facts of Life, you wake up one day and like, wait, nine years? What the, how the fuck has this yeah. been on that long? And they did dump some money into it. I mean, rebuilding, I mean, um, Edna's Edibles and stuff. And I mean, that it wasn't like they went and found a house to film in. They built that set. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know? exactly. So they did pour some money into this show yeah. and um the other thing is that i've talked about real people being the lead in and the reason why uh that was the facts of life succeeding uh guess what real people mm. is gone it was it was canceled the previous season and so before i go into my lists of uh new shows and in departing shows uh mm -hmm. i just want to point out one of the departing shows from last season is Real People. Real People is now no longer on from 8 to 9 o'clock as the lead-in for The Facts of Life. Tonight is the season premiere, and guess what the new show premiering this season is now the 8 o'clock time slot on Wednesday nights on NBC, Matthew. Um, Punky Booster. Uh, very good guess. Very good guess. It is an hour-long drama. Oh, God. It is related to a show that you have many times expressed your intense hatred and dislike for. Oh, Jesus. Is it Highway to Heaven? Ding, 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 ding. You got it. Oh, my God. Michael fucking Landon. Oh, my God. He had an audience, but I mean, what a weird thing to go from real people, which like I always said, real people was like, that's incredible. But with jiggly boobs where they would have, you know, roller derby and female mud wrestling and speedo contest on top of human interest stories. You know, real people always had a little bit of a rowdy, slightly salacious edge to it. And then to go from that to this Michael Landon 
religious programming, basically. It's a story about it. Is he an angel in it? Yes. And so he goes, it's, it's, it's like, the incredible Hulk, but he doesn't turn green. Oh, and he just, and, it's like touched uh, by an angel, but he doesn't have the hair of Pepe Le Pew. It's just awful. So from the 1983-84 season, these are the shows that uh, are not returning or were canceled. This is only a select list, okay? Nine to five. That was only 33 episodes in, but then we'll go on to be in syndication. First run, 52 more episodes. Uh, Fantasy Island, gone. Happy Days, Joni married Chachi, done. Heart to Heart. Uh, oh, Madeline, that only ran one season, but I just had to put it there because I loved that show and I fucking love Madeline Kahn so much. Uh, that's incredible. Both That's Incredible and Real People went off. It's like suddenly people were just not interested in the, the Newsy Magazine's human interest shows. How weird is that? Hmm, people weren't interested in hearing about other people. Hmm. <laughs> what does that sound like? Three's Company. Mm. Over. Bye. Uh-huh. Girl, bye. One Day at a Time. Girl, bye. Mama's Family. No, stop it. Mama's Family. That, of course, was only 35 episodes in two seasons. But two years later, they would come back in first-run syndication to create 95 more episodes. Hallelujah. Manimal. Mr. Smith. Riptide. And Real People. Those shows have all gone off the air they are no more um and then looking forward for the 1984-1985 season matthew here are the shows that right now while this facts of life is premiering these are the other shows that we are just starting this season on abc mr belvedere oh jesus moonlighting three's a crowd yikes (laughs) and who's the boss Mm. yep on cbs Charles in Charge, Ugh. ER, not, no, thank you. not the drama, nah. this is the half-hour George Clooney sitcom with him and Mary McDonald that only ran for one season, and uh, <laughs> after that show wraps, it's like, well, what are you going to do with this Clooney guy now? Put him in the facts of life. Murder, She Wrote, mm-hmm. it premiered, and uh, you've mentioned this before, The Lucy Arnaz Show. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this. Have you ever Nobody seen or heard did. of this? It was like six episodes. Correct. Yeah, six episodes. She was like an advice columnist in it print was and on the radio. It was basically Frasier with um, with Lucy Arnaz. Wow. She was on a radio. She was like a radio, like a Dr. Laura type. It's worse than Life with Lucy. Oh, oh, Jesus. God, that's bad. <laughs> Holy shit. And then lastly, on NBC, the shows that premiered this same season, Miami Vice, Punky Brewster, yeah, Partners in Crime. Remember Partners in Crime? No, what was Partners in Crime? That's the Linda Carter, Lonnie Anderson detective series. God. (laughs) Yes. I remember I was a teenager and I was so disappointed. I'm like, what is this shit? It was so badly written. Ugh. And then um, uh, V, the series, the Alien show, became a series, remember? Alien TV movie? No. Uh, Highway to Heaven. 
And uh, and by the way, Highway to Heaven came in at number nineteen. Of course, it did. That first season, like it tank, it it it. it uh, it tracked really high. And lastly, on NBC, premiering in 1984, Matthew, a little show called The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The tide is about to turn so significantly, so hugely. Next year, we will have some serious shows to talk about opening day like this is the dawn of must-see tv ladies and gentlemen cosby started at eight o'clock on thursdays and nbc would continue to dominate that night it's amazing how it all started with cosby and it just kept on going and so with that matthew that ends my deep dive regarding the nielsen's the numbers the time slots all of that mathematical bullshit that i love to be so analytical about Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Are we ready to come back to? Let's come back. Because we have got one humdinger. <clears throat> so when last we left our girls before the commercial, we knew that there was something that happened with Mrs. Garrett when she and Joe went to Atlantic City over the summer. But that has not yet been revealed. And now we're about to learn. Now, I do want to point out before we start it that Mrs. Garrett when they start to tell the story, she decides to leave the room. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to go get dinner. So she leaves the room. Saying, I'll, I would tell you, but I don't want to make you jealous. Yeah. Because because the girls are going to be so jealous. Yeah. Thinking uh, about Charlotte Ray getting fucking railed. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, they're going to talk about you. Why would you not want to be in the room and make sure that the story gets told properly no and then then he spit on my butthole you see that's when (laughs) no joe you're messing up the story now so joe then goes on to say while we dissolve to this piano lounge supposedly in atlantic city mrs garrett apparently won some money from a slot machine and so Mm -hmm. she's treating the two of them to a nice time a nice dinner joe is in an off-white pantsuit like a linen-y pantsuit with mm-hmm. a, a button-down man's shirt, a mm-hmm. black man's tie, sleeves rolled up, mm-hmm. uh, peg-leg trousers, I'm sure, <clears throat> shoulder pads wider than the fucking table. Well, I, it's like she she raided Paula Poundstone's closet. <laughs> yes! And it looks like when you first, uh, uh, when you first uh, upon the scene, I would have guessed that Joe was about to go do stand-up. Yes, because exactly. She yes. looks like she looks like Colonel Sanders about it, to do stand up. <laughs> Matter of fact, that character that Molly Shannon would do, that don't get yeah. me started. Don't yeah. even <laughs> get me started. It looks like yeah. that. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, you're so right. Yeah, totally. She's dressed like every lesbian stand-up comedian in, in the 1980s. Correct. Yeah. You are absolutely right. So, um but as we pan across, we see there's a man sitting at the piano playing and singing, and it is John Aston. And his wig. It, yeah, we're clearly wearing a piece. Oh, wow. God. Wow. Not a very good hairpiece, John. Mm-mm. But he, and I think he's still alive, isn't he? <laughs> Echo, how old is John Aston? 
John Aston is 90 years old. Jesus. John Aston is still alive, Matthew. He is 90 years old. I bet he's doing good. Yeah. I'm probably still wearing that tube. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. But uh, so he is there and just interesting factoid, you know, Andy coming up later this season, played by Mackenzie Aston. That is John Aston's son with Patty Duke. This grandpa sitting in his powder blue jacket with oh a tube on God. has a 10 year old son. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's wearing a powder blue 1970s tuxedo with a ruffled shirt. Like, you swear, costuming wise, it's like you couldn't have put him in a nice black tie and tux to make him look a little classy. To make him somebody that you might want to fuck in the bathroom? Uh, yes! What is the deal? It, they, uh, it's such a if costuming I into choice. A if I walked into a piano bar and the piano player had on a powder blue bat jacket and a roughly like 1970s tux shirt, I would be like, well, I'm not sucking his dick. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was such an odd costuming choice. But it was a panty dropper for Charlotte Ray. It so was, Mrs. man. But but Mrs. For, Garrett was throwing her panties at him. But, but, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Sorry. We don't. We we have to touch upon what exactly it is that makes all this, uh, sets all this into motion, as it were. So she says to Joe, "I'm going to go over and request something." So she goes over and goes to put money in his little tip snifter, and he very elegantly takes it and turns it over, meaning, "No, no, no." You don't have to pay. And uh, and he is very, I mean, John Aston, he was Gomez Adams. He is very suave and nice. Visually, even in his heyday at his most attractive, I'm not sure fuckable comes to mind. No, but I, and I do think if he had been dressed better, he was perfectly cast in this part. Yeah, okay, I will give you that. It's the it's not him, it's that fucking tux. If they had put him in yeah. a nice, good-fitting black tie and black yeah. tuxedo, he would have been dashing. And yes. he does look relatively bored throughout his performance. Mm, a little bit, like, yeah. <laughs> so and and he's he's faking the piano. It's clear he's not playing. Right. And uh he's doing an okay job. I give him like a B minus. Uh, a couple of times while he's playing, he points at her like he yeah. gestures toward her taking his hand off the keys. And it's like, uh, no, you need to have him on the keys, honey, to make yeah. it that you're playing. the Joe, Joe does that as well. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the song Mrs. Garrett requests is where or when. And he starts to play it and starts to sing it and kind of eggs her on and she gets a little swept up in it and hums along a word or two and then it's like it's like uh dorothy's bornack at the rusty anchor where she but just she somehow gets this confidence by going like i can't remember it's like two of the worst singers and the way she delivers the the note and then looks around like like Susan Boyle. Yeah. Like, the, she, like this gorgeous, <laughs> glorious sound just came out of her and she didn't know where it was from. I was like, if that happened, I'd be like, I better go sit down because I'm going to embarrass myself. Yeah. I it's... don't know like how they got these two people to sing and they're both just 
terrible scenes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Charlotte Ray. I know you were on Broadway. I know yeah. it, but you're a terrible singer. Not everybody can be. So is Roz Russell. You know what I mean? Oh, God, yeah. She was terrible. It is, way it is. It is what it is. Yeah. And, and the thing is, John Astin, again, like you say, perfectly cast, but he clearly can carry a tune. That's it. It's like, why wouldn't they have put Tony Bennett in this? Why wouldn't they have gotten someone? And by the way, his name is Vito Miles. Yeah. Listening to the songs and styles of Vito Miles. And, <laughs> and uh, friend. And friend, yeah. So uh, we quickly, as Mrs. Garrett's confidence builds with her kind of humming and lightly singing along and looking like, oh, was that? I guess they don't mind that I'm joining in. Yeah. Wipe across the screen, which they don't do on Facts of Life. A wipe, a hard line goes from left to right. And we get to doobie doobie doo, do doobie 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 doo. And ends, Mrs. Garrett ends with a high note. Dooby dooby doo. What is happening? <laughs> I, I, I wrote down, is she supposed to be drunk at this point? Because like people are cheering and like she like starts clapping like a four-year-old. Like a yeah. seal. Like, <laughs> and I thought maybe she's supposed to be drunk. I, I don't point. know. But we can't have Mrs. Garrett drinking. She's a nun. She's perfect, yes. She's perfect. Yeah, but we're going to learn she's a hua. (laughs) Because no sooner does she sit down at her table and says to Joe, oh, that was wonderful. It's the most fun I've had and whatever. And then uh, this is a little bit longer in the full-length non-rerun version where she sits down and looks at him and their eyes meet across the room. Like there's this sort of unfinished oh it is the most awkward unsexy yeah so creepy the way he looks at he could be looking at a chair that he wants (laughs) to buy yeah there's nothing sexual in the look that he gives yeah there's not a lot of chemistry happening here there's really not but as soon as they sort of have this look back and look forth she just goes I need to go to the ladies' room. And so um, off she goes, and then he does the kind of like, well, folks, going to take a break. I'll be right back. And then he gets up and kind of, I'm a cat. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the physical equivalent of lying in a sitcom, Matthew. Yeah. I'm doing a, yeah. adjusting the tie and fixing a jacket and putting it. I'm going to walk out the same door she did. And he's looking around like, Anybody in that place is watching what's happening and he's being real sneaky, but he's also, cause we both cruised in, in bars, David, we both followed men into the bathroom who hasn't. I, I, how, how dare you? We, I we have, have. Both, we both went to gay bars in the nineties. We've all had our I, dick out in a, in a public bathroom. <laughs> the have, point I is, can say to you, I have never liar done. I never. Yeah, show me a guy that went to gay bars in the 90s that didn't have sex in a public bathroom, and I will show you a liar. Um, I, I wish I were lying uh, when I said that, but I, nobody more than me wishes I had been a big old whorebag fuck bunny in the 90s. Didn't happen. So we've all been in that position where we're cruising and like following somebody into the bathroom. Except for me, yes. Um, 
I will yes and it. But anyway. Um, but he honestly is following her to the ladies' room. Ugh. And he's walking like he's going to fucking rail her in the handicap stall. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly the next question that comes up in my notes is like, so when she said, there was the... The, the, again, it, it made it kind of salacious versus something, ro- quote unquote, romantic would just be her leaving the room and then him going afterwards. Or why didn't he come to her table and say, can I show you the boardwalk? Yeah. And like, I, I'm going to sweep you off your feet. No, I'm going to rail you in the handicap stall. Yeah, yeah. Or so the story <laughs> would lead us to speculate because. Which I am fine with. <laughs> exactly. I, I, Not judging. Mrs. Garrett, fucking get you some of the D, girl. But some of that John Aston Gomez D. Wow. Which must be pretty good because he's got a 10-year-old son. (laughs) And he's in his 70s, yeah. Uh, Well, here's the deal. Um, Wait, this was 40 years ago. He's 90 now. He was 50. You're you're John Aston. (laughs) Fuck you. That was the other show. Fuck you. He's 54. He looks like he is in his 60s. Holy shit. He's, she's robbing the cradle, Mrs. Garrett. Holy shit. Uh, anyway. Wow. I hate so, you. So, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Joe, then we, so, so then we come back. And, and Joe is smiling. Like, Joe kind of knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I've, I've seen bathroom sluts on VHS. <laughs> I know what, ha- what happens. When two and women who love she... each other very much both go into a public and lavatory. Why does, why does Joe know what's going on, David? Because she's gay in the 80s and 90s and has been taken into a public bathroom <laughs> and had sex. <laughs> Just like everybody who was gay in the 80s and 90s. Go ahead. <laughs> I never did. I wish I was falsifying the sad and pathetically virtuous uh, life I led in my younger days it's it's so sad i followed a ups driver to a disney parking lot got in the back of his truck did horrible filthy things and left i don't understand how people do that it's that's literally like that 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 hookup thing that is a language i do not understand i wish i did i don't get grinder i don't understand it's like you meet a stranger and put your tongue in their butthole what it's like Mm, yeah yeah, i I, i'm not that i'm not built that way i wish i were i wish i were i wish i were attractive enough to where it happened regularly Uh. like it's been so rare that it's happened, but yeah. There was a time when I was young and attractive, David. Oh, I so promise you. You are, you're, you're Shut attractive, up. you're just not young. Shut up. There, that's my Shut bolstering up your confidence. Well, I'm no John Aston. No, you're <laughs> So we come back from the story, Joe in her knowing smile and gaze, like, okay, yeah, I know what they were going off to do. And Joe says, that was the last I saw of her. Mrs. Garrett never came back. And so then Mrs. Garrett comes back into the room. And so the girls look and immediately Natalie, first one, hey, doobie doobie doo. But actually, in fact, the girls are like, good for you, Mrs. Garrett. Even Blair says everyone should have a summer romance. Yeah. Read One Night Stand. Yeah. 
but and all of you were virgins. What the fuck do you? Everyone should have a sub. It's like all four of you. So uh, one of them, like Tootie or whatever, says, and you never came back to the lounge, meaning you fucked the whole night and you abandoned Joe because she didn't tell us the rest of the story. But Mrs. Garrett says, oh, yes, we did. And Joe quickly, her face drops and she says, you did? You came back? I didn't see you. And Mrs. Garrett says, well, you won't believe what Vito and I saw when we got back. The last thing in the world you'd expect from Joe. She was sucking a dick. No. What? That's the last thing I would have suspected. True. True. Very true. (laughs) But um, the second last thing, the (laughs) penultimate thing in the world you'd ever expect from Joe. At which point Joe says, well, okay, I'm going to go get the salad. Like Joe's like, I'm leaving the room. If you're going to talk about me, I certainly don't want to be here. And the joke is we're not serving a salad. And Joe's like, I'll make one. At this point in my notes, Matthew, I put, is this a fucking play? Is this... A, literally a stage play where Mrs. Garrett is like, well, you're going to talk about me? I'm going to go get dinner. La, 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 exit. Change costume, change costume, because I'm going to do the scene in the other room. And the same thing now with Joe. It's like, I mean, it's not possible, but it is so fucking weird to be like, oh, you're about to tell a story about me? Then I'm going to leave. It's only one thing worse than being talked about. And that's not being talked about. That is true. Thank you, Oscar Wilde. So then Mrs. Garrett (laughs) tells us that after he met her outside the ladies' room, so she and Vito never did actually fuck in the ladies' room, but he said he met her afterwards and they went for a stroll on the boardwalk. And it was apparently exhilarating and she was saying to him, how lovely for me to see your Atlantic City. Wink, wink. I, oh, that's his that... nickname for it. <laughs> you want to you want to see my Atlantic City? And second of all, <laughs> I'll take you all the way down the turnpike, babe. What exit? Atlantic City. <laughs> in 1984, they were probably the only heterosexual couple on that boardwalk having oh. sex. <laughs> Because that was another place where if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you had sex under the boardwalk at some point. I so wish I did. I so wish. I so wish I had been a whore bag. Never could do it and still can't. I'm something's wrong with me. So this is an awkward scene between um, the John Aston and the and the boss. Oh, oh, that's where, right. I forgot that we have the boss show up. Yeah. Where John Aston could not be less interested if he tried in yeah. the conversation. Like he literally rolls his eyes when he goes, what are you getting at, Bill? Or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. He literally puts his boss. head back like, I can't believe I have to do this for money. Yeah, because the boss is like, hey, Vito, it's called a piano bar because usually someone is here playing the piano. Uh, and he's like, you, yeah, what okay, whatever. <laughs> And Mrs. Garrett says, oh, please don't fire him. It's my fault. And he and and Vito says and John Aston says, eh, Edna, it's okay. I'll just back up my keyboard and go home. Like he doesn't even say I'll get another job. He says, I'll go home. 
fuck this place. Like, but but not even a fuck this place. That implies too much passion and opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, I'll, I'll go home. I'll have a burger. <laughs> at my cat. Show somebody my Atlantic City. <laughs> uh, and the manager just says, well, you're just lucky you had someone to take over for you. And, and they're all like, is... what? And this, David, as the camera pans, this is where I throw up my hands. I have no words. So the rest of this scene, I, I, I can't even. Uh, it's, we will be I, here for another hour if we, I add to. So you just tell people what happened and I will sit over here and bite my fist. Yeah, because it is just beyond. But they do this reveal where there's this crowd of people crowded around the piano and you hear the piano being played and slowly, one by one, people walk away and part the, the Red Sea of people to reveal, sitting at the piano, playing and singing, is Joe. Yeah. The people part the meat curtains so you can see <laughs> Joe. Sorry. Sorry. I'm not saying a word. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go no. Ahead. You're not going to say a word. You're Mm-mm. not. Mm-mm. And then, uh, and, and on top of that, Joe is playing. Feelings. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Feelings. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Feelings. Is there a more lounge singery, loungy McLoungelot song that every bad piano bar singer sings than <laughs> that song? Well, I mean, it's the perfect song for that situation. And that. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it is. But OK, uh, some people may remember <laughs> that song from the Carol Burnett show. That's the song that Eunice sang when she went on the gong show. And so Carol Burnett coined that thing of uh, <laughs> that yodel of feelings. Whoa, 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 feelings. Doing the yodel. Which to this day is how I sing it. I know <laughs> If I ever have to do it. And uh, if you didn't remember it from the Carol Burnett show, then you absolutely 100% will recognize it as the song that Lindsay Wagner sings on The Bionic Woman when she goes undercover in (laughs) the pageant as Miss California to stop a fucking murder, drug, rape, whatever ring happening in the crime-filled world of pageants. (laughs) Anyway. In the syndicated version, she finishes this to the everyone. Oh, my God. This is the greatest entertainment I have ever seen. And then she goes right into singing one of her mother's favorites. It had to be you. It had to be you. And honestly, her singing is okay, fine. It is. Okay, fine. It's like John Aston. She can carry a tune if it's in a key low enough to accommodate her range, which is about three notes. At what point are you going to bring up the fact that, wait a minute, Joe can play the fucking piano? Oh, we're... we're, we're... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm not saying a no, word. No. I'm not saying a no, word. No, no, no. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So, no, yeah. Go but ahead. This is happening. And, and again, we, we probably get this far while your brain is still processing what the fuck is happening please please if you haven't watched the roku version if you only watched this on daily motion please go to the roku version and you will learn 
exactly how we are watching this train wreck of a chemical spill. Cut this out. In this spiel, Joe tells the story. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> that her mother took her to a bar where she worked. And there was a piano man there. And he taught this dirty-faced kid from the Bronx how to play the piano. But she's telling it in lounge lizard style. Like, she is Bill Murray as Nick the Lounge Lizard, mixed with the Sweeney Sisters, mixed with Jack Jones singing the Love Boat theme, where she's like... You know, well, I was just a greasy face kid from the Bronx. Dun, 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 dun. And then my mother, the angel, bum, ba, 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 took me to a bar. And there was this piano man there. And I'm surprised she didn't play Billy Joel's Sing Us a Song, You're the Piano Man. They didn't have but, money. Yeah, that's true. That costs money. It's like an act. It is not yeah. her... It is not her being genuine and playing it real. Oh, well, you know, my mother and I, I learned how to noodle a bit and I still play a few songs. It's it's just like, hey, I'm going to tell you the story. This is how this little nobody kid became your entertainment angel. It's so it's also like so like piano players would, would do that to show. Look at how the different styles of of playing that I can do in such a short time. Yeah. It's like a it's like a piano player's like show off song. Like yeah. here's some boogie woogie for eight bars, and then I'm gonna do some religious ha da da da. You know what I mean? And some yeah. classical and yes, this is exactly for Joe to show off the dexterity and adaptability of her multi-faceted, broad stretching talent yeah. as a piano player, that whom she... we have never seen. Look at a piano. Go near a piano. Touch a piano. Play a piano for the last four goddamn years. This is why I threw my hands up and I had no comments. I, uh... Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you out there who are not musicians, particularly instrumentalists, <laughs> have you ever heard the term use it or lose it? Yeah. One cannot be a piano player slash performer leave it for four years never touch it even if she played 17 hours a day every fucking summer the fact is you know a, a competent piano player has to study for about 10 years and then you got to keep up with that shit you have to do it you can't just walk away from a piano <laughs> For years, I've lost probably ninety percent of my piano playing dexterity. Oh, geez. and I hate it. I hate that I've lost. Well, go it. back to it. Play it. Play some more. Just uh, if I, I would if I had a better keyboard. Yeah. Anyway, and I, I keep saying I want to learn the piano and I want to start, but I know once I start, I basically will never ever be able to stop, and I'll probably never not suck at it. And then you'll become the greatest piano player ever. Exactly. And, uh, I'll be able to say, I had this friend, Matthew, and I did a podcast. And then I had a day job. Good God, bring this scene to an end before I kill myself. I know. <laughs> I just, so, there's so much wrong with it. it. 
Yeah, so then she goes into It Had to Be You. She sings it, and you see the clip of her singing in the opening credits. That's one of the clips of her and Nancy McKeon as Joe. And I do have to say, in this clip, I don't think she is more beautiful. With the look, the hair, the the white, the, the smiling, the singing the song, she just looks I, I, gorgeous. I mean, literally. I'm not being. I'm not being ironic. I think she is gorgeous in this scene. Nobody has said Nancy McKeon is not a pretty girl, Mama. You've said she's a handsome woman, I believe. Yeah, but I didn't say she wasn't pretty. <laughs> handsome woman. Yeah, but the thing is, this is a common trope in sitcoms where, over time, if an actor has any musical theater background, somehow their character miraculously finds a reason to sing on the show. They did it on one day at a time where suddenly, oh, we're putting on a, a variety show for the local nursing home. And oh, Bonnie Franklin, who was on Broadway, is now suddenly this great singer. So, you know, Mary Lou Henner is going to do a fantasy dance sequence on Taxi because mm-hmm. Mary Lou Henner is a dancer. This is one of those like, who anywhere said, you know what we really need on the show? We need Nancy McKeon to sing. Meanwhile, Lisa Welch is over there going, um, I've released albums. I, yeah, I, exactly. I, I've had, I was on a show before <laughs> this where I sang. I just, yeah. anybody? No? Okay. I played the guitar at a campground at Disney World to a group of children. You want me to be in a scene with a cow? Okay. Okay. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Oh my God, we still have one more show to go. Holy fuck balls, yeah. Matthew. That's why oh I'm like, get me out of this scene. Oh my God. Yes, you're right. So then uh, on the note of Joe singing, it dissolves out and we go back to the the modern times and Joe comes back in again, having not been in the room to hear. And thankfully, Tootie does say, why didn't you ever tell us you played piano? Yeah. And Joe says, well, the doctor said after the operation, I'd never play again. The fuck is that response? Well, then Tootie even goes, what the fuck? I'm I'm paraphrasing. And Natalie says, Tootie, that's a joke. You're What's not that? Jewish and from the Catskills like I am. And you don't understand this vaudevillian humor. But she's like, it's a joke. And Tootie's like, what? Joe making a joke? Wow. That completely and totally supports the thesis statement of this episode that we think we know each other, but we don't because of all the surprising things we've done over this past summer break. And then... It is Blair's turn. Ladies and gentlemen, we have one more to go. Mm-hmm. You you tell the Blair tell the Blair story, please. Blair goes to Iowa to be with Cliff. Mm-hmm. Who because who wouldn't? I mean, he's just He could get it in a bathroom, I... in a UPS truck, in yeah. I'd make an exception for him. I I agree. Um <laughs> But um, just Blair has packed um, a dress that one might wear on a hayride or a cotillion kind of yeah, kind of like, like a, a picnic or a hoedown or something. Yeah. Yeah. But because Cliff's dad has hurt himself, everybody has to chip in. And this is where we get to see fish out of water Blair <clears throat> making her way mm-hmm. around a farm um, where Cliff is wearing the whitest nikes while he works (laughs) on the farm yes that i've ever seen blair is in about a two inch pump um and 
she the first stop is he says do you want to um clean out the 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 stalls or milk the cow a stupid joke where she needs a shovel but she decides to milk the cow and i have to say david after watching blair milk that cow if that's the way she tugs on an udder i can see why this is the last appearance of cliff no (laughs) be nice you're not wrong but be nice i'd be out of there too i'd see that hand i'd be like really that's how you grab it i'm out yeah she like like does a two finger barely tugs the udder like i don't know i'm just a city girl and cliff is of no help by the way he's not like here let me show you how to milk a cow it's like nope go to it bitch no i'm judging you um and well because he wants to see how she naturally would grab it you know it's, yeah it's a test because you know he hasn't taken it out in front of her yet she totally wouldn't let him no now they're gonna go feed the pigs yeah and we get another phrase that i use to this day what as they're feeding the pigs blair's grossed out by it and she goes oh that's disgusting <laughs> And if I ever get a chance to call something disgusting, it is always said in that tone. Oh, oh. that's disgusting. Nice. Because um, last week you were talking about how you loved Natalie playing a a game and saying, I want to be blue. I want to be blue. There it is. Um, But she falls into the mud. And meanwhile, we're in Iowa, but in the background, all you see are mountains. Yeah, <laughs> like they're surrounded by mountains, the mountains um, of Iowa. This is a location shoot. This is like the first time on the show we've ever seen any location that's not on that soundstage. So this is a technologically quite advanced for the show. Is it? When have we ever been? That's not. We've been in other places, but they've always been sets, like the coffee shop, like the strip club strip club was a set but this is this was in an actual barn on an actual farm out of doors in sunlight facts of life go to paris not on the show that's that was a tv movie do you want to ask film you want to ask echo if that counts okay no that's fine um no because that one you are unequivocally wrong do you have any do you have any anything to add to blair's trip to, to iowa he does say do you want to take the train back tonight? Back to where? They're in Iowa. You're going to get on a train? It's going to take you closest place to Chicago. <laughs> and Eventually gonna take... get her back to Manhattan. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to jump on the train and be home in Manhattan tonight. Yeah. Fucking jump on the train in Iowa. <laughs> Please. Um, well, um, just for those who watch this on Daily Motion, the, the cow milking part is cut from syndication how it goes from i know really it goes from cleaning out the stables directly to slopping the hogs it's too vulgar (laughs) but my thing is we come back now from this because the last image we have is her and cliff and this is woody brown as cliff this is his final appearance and uh he's we we never, ever see him again. We are introduced to Cliff again this season anew as, well, this is the boyfriend that Blair is so serious about to the point that she decides to go to meet his parents in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And, and literally, he's gone. This is the last time we see him where Blair falls into the mud and they both do the, 
always say this to my dad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but the point is, she sprained her ankle when she slipped in the mud. So she got to spend the two weeks on the porch with Cliff's dad. Yes. So she, yeah, didn't she have explains to do any that work. when we come back to dinner. Yeah. And. Joe even says, I, you you in the, on a farm, I don't buy it. So Blair pulls out some photos, some Polaroids. Of course they'd be Polaroids. And she has pictures of, this is a picture of me with the pig. And Joe says, and, and somebody says, I think it might even be Mrs. Garrett, who says, just when you think you know somebody, you find out you don't. <laughs> what a terrible uh-huh. line reading. Uh, you find out. You don't. What was it, Charlotte Ray? Who says it? Yes, she goes. She goes. Just think, you know someone. You find out. You don't. That is lazy writing. Yeah, that's not good. And again, it's trying to restate the whole. This is the whole purpose of this episode. This is the whole. These girls have other sides and other things. Tootie is capable of badly impersonating an adult. Natalie is capable of justifiably exerting physical abuse on a child. Joe is capable of learning how to play piano like a professional in zero amount of time. And Blair is capable of doing something on a farm. And Mrs. Garrett is capable of stranger sex in a public bathroom. Yeah. She's not so perfect anymore, is she, Matthew? Nope. Little un little under stall action, if you know what I mean. <laughs> David. <laughs> Do you know what that means, David? I believe I have seen that depicted in a motion picture or two, Matthew. All right. We'll, we'll go with that. It's not because yeah. you experienced it in the 90s. No. No. Didn't. 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 Wow. The Kmart on OBT? Oh, my no, God. <laughs> the Mercado had a glory hole in their bathroom. Did they? Anyway. Holy shit. You were going to say something? How how often were you sitting there uh, on duty, so to speak? (laughs) Giggity. (laughs) How you have complained, Matthew, about Mrs. Garrett being so perfect. Is this illicit affair finally the thing we need to kind of dull the shine a bit? Or could one argue it makes her even more perfect? (laughs) Right. In our eyes. Right. Oh, bless. But the big joke at the end, they're all looking at the pictures, and Joe says, which one is the pig? And they say, don't insult Blair like that. And Joe says, I'm not insulting Blair. I was insulting insulting the the pig. pig. Uh, And they all say it together, as in, but (laughs) there are still some things we can depend on. Right. The shitty, awful vaudevillian jokes, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yes. Those haven't changed. Well, Matthew, this has been, yes. for lack of a better word, a journey. <laughs> I am true. so happy. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I have making the one-part season premiere into a two-part podcast. No regrets. Mm. I have no regrets. Mm. All right. I'm so jealous of you that you get to do this season. It's such a good season. And I think Paul Padilla would agree, and I think Michelle B. would agree with me. Hi, Michelle. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) That was as sexy as John Astin in this episode. Hey. Hey. 
<laughs> Gross. And he was rolling his eyes when he did that. Oh my God. David, I love you. I love you too, Matthew. And thank you for doing the show as always. And thank you for all of the research and for deepening our love and understanding of this show, this episode, this season, and this experience. <laughs> Smooch is my darling and goodbye. Bye. And there you have it. That was Matthew Arder. And that was the conclusion of a Let's Face the Facts two-parter, or as we like to call it, a two-arter. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Anything to add as I'm uh, concluding this? I-, I can't believe Matthew and I are first and foremost, primarily, stage actors. And we are obsessed with Broadway musicals. So what did we not cover in this deep dive that spilled over into two episodes? We didn't talk about Broadway. We didn't talk about what shows were opening in 1984. So I'm going to cover them quickly here. Um, The thing with Broadway is their season is a lot like the television season. It starts in the fall and ends in the spring. So some of these that I'm going to list are shows that opened in 84, but some of them may have opened early enough to be considered for the 84 Tony Awards. Others were moved over into the next year. So uh, if some of it feels a little bit off, if you're a big Broadway or Tony Award person, that's what's going on here. It's just these are the shows that by the calendar, these shows opened in 1984. Glen Gary, Glen Ross. That's a David Mamet play. That's a big one. That ended up being a movie in the late 80s with Al Pacino, Alec Baldwin. Uh, That's a big one. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That's an August Wilson play. That's another big one you see a lot of local productions of. Uh, Shirley MacLaine on Broadway. That was a big one because Shirley MacLaine had just won the Oscar in 83 for Terms of Endearment, and that was after a long, what, 25, 26-year career. So um, she was really quite hot at that point. I feel like she made the cover of Time or Newsweek, a picture of Shirley MacLaine high-kicking, and this is her Broadway show. and Yeah, Uh, The Real Thing. That's a Tom Stoppard play, another biggie that was big in the 80s, and Tom Stoppard is, of course, a big, uh, big, big, well-known playwright. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. This was the year that introduced us to Whoopi Goldberg, her Broadway show with all of the characters, directed by Mike Nichols, written by Whoopi, with her doing all of that stuff that became the HBO special, the record uh, and, and I did have it on record, I think. Uh, but it was, yeah, that was huge because that is what introduced the world to her. And The Color Purple would be her first movie in just uh, another year. 85, 86 was Color Purple. And uh, two big ones. If you are a musical theater freak like me, <laughs> I'm going to give you The Rink. The Rink. A notorious Broadway show. It starred Liza Minnelli and Cheetah Rivera. It was written by John Kander and Fred Ebb. The book was by Terence McNally, a powerhouse of creative talent. And uh, it, it was a flop. Kander and Ebb had done Cabaret and Chicago. And Cheetah and Liza were kind of their muses. It's like this was a can't miss. 
And and I've seen the show. It's got some good music and the book is okay, but it just it just doesn't all come together. Just sometimes that happens. But uh, yeah, The Rink is a very well-known uh, and beloved, I will add, musical theater flop in the Broadway pantheon. And lastly, a little show called Sunday in the Park with George. That is the Stephen Sondheim musical starring Mandy Patinkin, Bernadette Peters, and uh, it opened early enough. It opened in May, so it was considered for the Tonys, and it lost, a lot of people will remember, because the previous year, in the same season, we also got a little show called La Cage au Fall. And that was the Jerry Herman musical that was a huge hit. And it was uh, very much playing out the whole thing of commercialism versus artistry. At the Tony Awards, it was, will the artsy-fartsy Sunday in the Park with George win? Or will the big, crowd-pleasing, sing-along, clap-your-hands? Uh, and Lacage ended up being the winner. But on the flip side, Sunday in the Park with George won the Pulitzer that year. Pulitzer Prize for Drama. So no slouch for Stephen Sondheim and his collaborator, James Lapine, who wrote the book. So that covers uh, the Broadway. And I can't believe we forgot to do that. And uh, we'll be sure to get back into that groove when we do seasons seven, eight, and nine. Yes, there are three more of these coming your way. So next week, we're kind of back into the routine of things. We're doing a regular episode and I'm gonna have another special guest. We are going to be watching season six, episode two, A Slice of Life. You can watch the episode for free on the Roku channel or at dailymotion.com. I recommend the Roku channel because you will get the full-length, non-edited, non-syndicated version of the show. So that's all for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash face the facts pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>